Hello, everyone. Hello. It's called White Cast. I'm your host, Candace. And I'm your other host, Tyler. And we're back again. <laughs> we're back again. We skipped yeah. a week. I we figured we would probably not just jump right into it and be back like every week. Yeah. We're, you it's know? probably going to be a. So, I don't know if we'll ever truly be back, back, but we'll try. Like, I don't. I'm. I don't know, because I haven't watched anything this new season at all. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to watch anything. I know, my roommate's like, he's messaging me, she's like, oh my god, the newest episode of Jujutsu Kaisen, did you see that one? And I'm like, no, I haven't watched any of it. <laughs> like, Some it's so bad. Lives. I know, I'm like, I'm sorry, I want, I want to. But, yeah, so with that, we have no anime news. Yay! Because we don't know what we're doing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We don't, but also it's a new season, and honestly, the new season usually comes with, oh, the the preview for episode three of this has been revealed, and like, okay, yeah. so that, like that's the extent of news most of the time. Yeah, my, my current anime news is that the Blu-ray set for the Token Rami musicals that I bought a year ago finally came in, and it's a $300 Blu-ray set, which is the most money I've ever spent on a Blu-ray set ever. Yeah. That's my anime. <laughs> I am just flaunting my special limited edition thousand plus hour Blu-ray set from the stage play that nobody cares about except for me. So that's... Fucking that's, Sim. That's my, <laughs> that's my anime. <laughs> and I, I remember I bought it exactly a year ago because... Yeah, because that, that was after you gave me $300, and you're like, what are you going to do with it? And I'm like, I'm going to blow it all in one place. <laughs> well, you did blow it all in one place. <laughs> so yeah, no no anime news, but... And no new season stuff either, because we are an absolute fucking train wreck of a podcast. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, but we are going to talk anyway about something that happened last season. Yeah. The only the only anime that both of us watched other than Demon Slayer last season. Mm-hmm. And maybe at the end of the episode we'll talk a little bit about what else we watched, because I just don't know what we're ever gonna talk about last season again, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll kind of give you guys like a little bit of a, a seasonal recap at the end of this episode. Uh we'll we'll try to get maybe. I don't like I said, I don't think we'll ever be back back, but we we'll try. We'll see how it goes down. Yeah. Certainly try. So, in previous episodes, something we have always said, and we have never done, is we've always been like, man, I would be watching this anime if it weren't on High Dive. <laughs> That's true. And we've now, said this so uh, many times. And now uh, one of us has High Dive. Yeah. It basically means that both of us have High Dive. Yeah. <laughs> we, our High Dive. Our High Dive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I did cave and I got a year subscription to High Dive because I was like, I am so sick and tired of being that those anime podcasters that keep saying, well, we can't watch this because it's, it's on High Dive. Mm-hmm. And so I, I made us both little accounts. Like they, they let us like decorate our icons and customize them. And I'm like, Tyler's not allowed to customize his. I get to. That's me. I paid fair. for it. So I get to be in charge. It's fair. Yeah. But you're, I made your icon all cute. So it's fine. Yeah. And then I tried to watch some of the shows that we've missed out on on High Dive in the past. And I didn't really like very many of them, honestly. Like, I started watching Call of the Night, and I really didn't like it. Like, I thought I would. I thought Call of the Night would have been, like, really awesome and amazing. And then I watched, like, two episodes. I'm like, oh, my, I just... You're like, no. this, this is absolute trash. It kind this of This is right is. up Tyler's alley. It might be, actually. Like, I like the character design, but I hate the fact that, like, she's clearly, like, an adult woman. Like, she acts like an adult, and she constantly fonts that she's an adult. And yet she's still kind of pursuing, like, a middle schooler. And everybody's like, oh, it's okay because she looks like a middle schooler. And I'm like, okay, that's a little bit concerning. <laughs> That's like the reverse of the thousand-year lolly argument. It's like, well, technically she's an adult. Now they're like, well, technically she's a teenager. No, you can't have it both ways. She's either a thousand-year-old adult or she's a thousand-year-old lolly. You can't have it both ways. 
I will take Thousand Year Adult. Thank you very much. Which is okay, as long as you, she's not hitting on a fucking middle schooler. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so creepy. But that's not the anime we're going to talk about. The anime we're going to talk about is one from last season. The one that everybody's been talking about. I have seen nobody pass not over this talk anime. talk about it. Yeah, it's crazy how many people are talking about this anime. And of course, that is Oshinoko. And... Yep. The reason I've been dragging this out is because I do want people to listen to the podcast up to this point, because after this point, Oshinoko is just going to get spoiled for you guys. Like, there's just no way to approach talking about this anime without major spoilers. Because, honest to God, the biggest spoiler in the entire series happens at the end of the first episode. Yeah, it's true. So there's just no way to talk about this anime without already going into major spoiler territory. So if you have not watched Oshinoko yet... Just go get a high dive subscription. Like it's so, really not that expensive. <laughs> right? So uh How many episodes is it? Is it I, I believe it's twelve, but the first episode is like an hour uh, and a half long. Um It's either eleven or twelve. Well, my my anime list lists it at uh eleven. Which means okay. I did not watch the eleventh episode. Oh shit. <laughs> so you know what? Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's all <laughs> you had like two weeks to prepare for this. I've been busy! <laughs> also, it was because uh, I, you know me, I have my, my designated day to watch everything. Yeah. And and so that was the day when it was like, okay, season's over. I'll just finish everything I've been watching. Yeah. And I guess there was one more episode that hadn't aired yet. So. Yeah. I was watching the last episode like two weeks ago when I was like, oh, make sure you finish Oshinoko so we could talk about it. And then the week went by, we didn't record and you're just like, well, you said you didn't know what you wanted to talk about. I'm like, I said I wanted to talk about Oshinoko. And you're like, oh, I must have misunderstood you. And then now we're recording and you're like, oh, but I didn't finish Oshinoko. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm an idiot, all right? <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> but yeah, so it's a you can't insult me. My brain is too smooth. <laughs> it just glides right off. <laughs> <laughs> glides right off. So yeah, it, it is eleven episodes, but it feels longer because the first episode's like an hour and a half long. So getting into this anime is already a bit of a commitment because you're pretty much watching a film as soon as you start. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad they did it that way, because you kind of get the three-episode rule in one episode. Yeah. So, yeah, if I think from this point, we're going to call, like, a spoiler lock right here if you guys haven't watched it yet. Go at least watch the first episode. Like, because... okay, but honestly, like, this, this series has been so talked about mm -hmm. by so many people, and it's been so hyped up, like... If you haven't watched it yet, you probably aren't going to. Okay, but I think I have seen people who are like, I don't want to watch it because I don't want to get into an idol anime. And I'm like, oh boy, you do not know what you're getting into or what you're not getting into. Like, this is not an idol anime by any means. And I will get more into that in the episode. But yeah, if you guys for some reason have not checked this out, if you're like us and you just didn't have high dive before and you don't like using pirate websites, just go watch the first episode. It, like I said, it's a bit of a commitment because it's a long episode, but it does a really good job of conveying whether or not this is something you will want to watch. Just make it to the end of the episode and then decide. Yeah. That's just my advice. Like, you guys don't have to fucking take it, alright? Like, maybe you guys really are just gonna avoid this hype train to death, but that's just my opinion. Just go watch at least the first episode. You automatically get that three-episode rule in one episode. Yeah. So, it's, it's not too bad. Honestly. But I really do think this is undeniably a nomination for Anime of the Year. I don't know if it'll win. Most likely. Because we're only about... I guess, technically, with the Crunchyroll Awards, this season, the current airing season, is going to be the last season that qualifies for nominations. Because of the way they're doing it now. Yeah, because this is the, uh, this is the summer, summer season. season. Yeah, and the fall season will be included in next year's nomination list. So yeah, so we are currently rounding out the end of the year for the nominee list. I think Oshinoko has a really good chance. Yep. Yeah, so we're cutting it off here. Spoilers ahead. 
There's no way for us to talk about it without fucking spoiling shit. So, <laughs> you've been warned. Alright, so moving forward. Uh, I kind of had a hard time figuring out what we were going to talk about with this episode because, as I mentioned, everybody's fucking talking about this anime. And everybody's kind of analyzed it to death or picked it apart to death or done a lot of different crazy things like just like oh my god this is why you should be watching it or this is why everybody loves it or this is something you might have missed while watching it or so many different things but there's something that I personally have noticed that I don't think anybody I've seen ever really talk about and maybe this is just my crazy overanalyzing brain just going into overdrive because the series is just so good about that but I do have a serious question about this anime why is there a harem subplot in this anime? Uh, because harem route? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I knew that was going to be your answer. And here's the thing. I didn't. I already hear the groans coming in for the few people listening and being like, oh my god, here Candace goes, complaining about anime having harem routes, having harem subplots, whatever. But I genuinely mean it for this anime because I don't think it's poorly written like most harem is. But it feels so like strange like not like a bad writing kind of strange but like why are you doing this kind of strange <laughs> like i feel like the writer of this series is kind of trying to fuck with us a little bit and what i mean by that is that i was trying to think of exactly what genre this show is and for a lot of people they're like oh it's obviously an idol anime and for other people, like, no, it's a horror mystery thriller anime. And other people, like, no, it's a slice of life anime. Or, no, it's it's a bunch of different things. And the thing is, it's none of those things. It It, it is, uh, it is a, a Frankenstein <laughs> of uh, anime genres. It, well, it is all of those and more. Well, I thought that maybe that was an option too, but I don't even think it's that. I think what Oshinoko is, like, when you just boil it down to exactly what this author's trying to tell us, it is a commentary and dissection of the entertainment industry in Japan. Oh, you mean kind of like how uh, in this new season, what's it called, uh, ZOM 100 mm -hmm. is a commentary on the, the business industry? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I think I think that's literally what Oshinoko is. And I know a lot of people have pointed that out before. I'm not saying anything new here. But I think that like all of these subgenres that are attached to Oshinoko are not there because the author's trying to add subgenres to it. I think it's literally there because it is also adding to the commentary of the entertainment industry by pointing out common tropes and genres that are constantly used in anime, which is a part of the entertainment industry in Japan. So things like harems becoming extremely common in anime and manga. The reason there is a harem in this anime is to point out the fact that we, the audience, are so used to seeing fucking harems in anime. Because I thought about it so much, every time I talk to anybody about the show, they're just like, oh, so-and-so is best girl. No, that person's best girl. No, I want Aqua to end up with this girl. And even like with the latest chapter of the manga, I've seen nonstop memes of people being like, oh my god, twincest is wincest. You know, like... Uh, okay, <laughs> so like... Are Oshinoko fans okay? Because like... Some of them really fucking... They're pushing this goddamn, like, incest thing. And, like, hard. You know? Yeah. It's it's a little bit much for me. And and this is coming from a guy who fucking liked Oremo, okay? <laughs> like, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. Yeah. The little sister thing became really prominent in the series pretty recently. From my understanding, because of the latest chapter of the manga, we have not been reading the manga. We're anime-only suckers. But the memes are completely unavoidable at this point. And it kind of got me thinking and spiraling into this idea that any kind of romantic subplot for Aqua just literally makes zero sense from a narrative point of view. He's obviously not in love with any of these girls. None of them are his end goal here. Well, not not only that, but like... any Anything he does is going to be... Um, 
for his own game. game yeah. Game. Like he's gonna string them along. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know, love them. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's gonna string them along until he gets what he wants. And obviously, you know, spoiler alert: after he gets what he wants, he's probably either gonna die or go to jail. Yeah. And I don't know. Like they kind of re- or Aqua himself kind of reminds me a lot of Light Yagami. But when I was reading Death Note, there was never, like, a debate about, like, who's the best girl? Who's Light gonna end up with? Who's Light gonna choose? Who does Light deserve? None of, there was never those questions. Uh, a... That's that's because uh, Light and Ryuk were soul mates, okay? <laughs> Come I mean, on. Honestly, the only ship that really set sail in Death Note was Light and L. Like... Literally, think of how much fan art there is out there of, like, light in any kind of romantic situation. I would say about 99% of it is with L. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's because Death Note was not a series about light obtaining all these, like, gorgeous women and which one was going to fall in love with him. But for some reason, Oshinoko really, really tries to sell the point that all of these girls are genuinely in love with Aqua. And it just felt so kind of uneasy the entire time. And I see so many people buying into who was the winner of this waifu war. And I'm like, what waifu war? Are we watching the same fucking anime? This is not a waifu war anime. And ultimately, we know who's going to win this waifu war. It's going to be I. Because the thing is that Aqua doesn't see I as a real person. And that's something that really kind of hit me the first time. Like, I watched the first episode, I got really into it. And then I watched it again with you, because I wanted to get you into it. And the second time I watched it, something really creepy I noticed about Aqua. He literally never refers to I as mom or mama or mother or anything like that. Or even my mother or anything. He always calls her I, both in person, out loud, and internally. He never calls her anything else. And compare that to Ruby, who constantly calls her mama. It's such a stark difference between the two of them, and it just goes to show that no matter what, Aqua literally is incapable of seeing her as his mother. And I've also noticed, like, in more of the episodes following, anytime he thinks about I, or anytime he, like, imagines her, he doesn't see the woman that was like raising him and taking care of him and like that real person who hung out in the apartment with them he always saw the idol that was on stage the girl that was always on the news or on television or the actress or just this perfect vision of i he didn't even remember like what she was like at the hospital he literally doesn't remember anything about her other than this perfect being that just exists in his mind and it is also another commentary about fans of idols. Yeah. And I just realized that no matter what, he's not in love with a real person. He's in love with a concept. He's in love with an idea. He's not trying to avenge her because she died. He's trying to take back something that he felt like belonged to him. And I think that's why, like, no matter who the best girl of this show is, it doesn't fucking matter. Because Aqua is not best boy. He's not even a good person. But he's a fantastic protagonist. Yeah. Like, an amazing protagonist. Like, this show is fucking brilliant. This show is a mirror pointed right at the audience and saying, This is you! (laughs) And then, of course, everyone who's, you know, objectively looking at that, he's like, no, uh, and then does exactly what, you know, they're being portrayed as. That's yeah. not the, that's, that's not. Yeah, exactly. And part of me started to wonder a little bit while I was watching it, too. I was like, am I a little bit guilty of this kind of stuff, too? Especially when we started getting into talks of what next season's going to be about, which is the 2.5D arc, which is something that any of you guys know, I just spent $300 on a fucking Blu-ray for 2.5D. <laughs> I'm obviously a fan. I'm obviously a really big fan. And whenever I've talked about like stage plays or anything like that here on the podcast, 
I've always made a note for you guys to remember that the people who are performing in these shows, the actors, no matter how big of a fan I am of them, I always think of them as real human beings and real people. Like, I constantly see people make jokes of like, oh, I ship actor A with actor B, or I just want them to kiss or whatever. And I'm always like, those are real human beings. Like, <laughs> that's so weird. That's so weird that you think that about them because they're real people. But then I started to think about it and I'm like, okay, there's definitely been times where I'm just like, oh, so-and-so and so's are like best friends and I love them. And I love their relationship and their friendship. It's so wholesome and sweet. And I realized I'm like, how much of that is real? Like, because genuinely, I don't know. I can make comments about the life that they show people, like their Instagram posts and their tweets and things that they say during interviews and like the kind of personality that they have in front of their fans. But I don't even know if they're going by their real names. And that was kind of a like wall that I had to hit. Like, what if like my favorite actor, that's not even his real name? What if it's a stage name that he's been using since he got into this industry? Yeah. And I would have no idea. Because why would I? I don't know him. I know his public image. And that was something that this show had me thinking about a lot. Because it really does go into that. Like, how many people in this show are in this industry and use their real name and put their real personality up front for people to see and then end up getting really really hurt because of it either they get stalked or they get harassed or people dig way too deep into their lives and it comes back and it bites them really bad and then they're just told well you should have used a stage name or you should have used a fake personality or you should have wore a mask or something like that okay but that that doesn't that doesn't help because yeah. there's still those obsessive people that will literally follow you until you get home and then they'll dig through your trash to find out everything about you. Yeah. Like, like there are some really creepy fucking people, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, and that was the point I was making to us. How much of, like, when we saw the harassment arc of this anime where she was literally being harassed online and she came back to the show and they're just like, oh, maybe you should change your personality and use a fake name so that doesn't happen to you again. Like, it, it's genuinely good advice, but at the same time, it reeks of victim blaming, you know? Yeah. Like, it kind of blames her for being harassed online, even though she didn't deserve that in the first place. And then another point is when she did come back and they told her, like, oh, maybe you should be, like, Aqua's ideal girl so you'll fit in and people will like you. And she approached it, like, who's Aqua's ideal girl? And she did all this research about I. And she came back and she pretended to be I. And Aqua immediately just, like, fell in love with her. Kind of backs up my point that I made before. He's not in love with I. He's in love with the idea of I. Yeah. And he kind of had to kick himself back into reality and be like, no, that's not I. I is dead. <laughs> he had to remind himself that that ideal version can only exist in one specific person. Yeah. So. I've also seen a lot of people online comment about that character. I am so bad with names right now, so I forgive me for not actually giving these characters names. But... Uh, that was uh, Akane? Akane, yeah. The stage actor. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a lot of people comment about her again going into this waifu war thing. I saw somebody completely unironically say that they hate her character because she's a liar. And they don't feel like she fits into the show. And then they turn around and be like, uh, Aqua's the best character. Yeah. And I'm like, do you realize that the entire <laughs> like backstory of I is that she's a liar? Like, that's literally her story. It's not even like subtle or hinted at she literally comes out and says i made a career off of being a liar yeah and that's why akane's the closest character to her in terms of personality because they're both geniuses that learned how to manipulate the industry by lying and they weren't bad people because they did it they were just it's their job it, I, uh, well that just shows kind of how the industry is though as well because <laughs> you know it's it's hard to get ahead when you're you're being honest to 
yourself and everyone, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, I... For me, this entire first season felt like such a dissection of Aqua as a character, and I thought it was brilliant. Like, so much so. He's... He's extremely manipulative, he's extremely smart, he's extremely cunning, but the thing is that <laughs> Podcat 2, anyway, <laughs> the thing <laughs> is that he is never going to be a good person. And it kind of points that out even in his past life when he was a doctor. He didn't jump at the idea of helping I because he felt like what he was doing was right. He jumped at the idea to help her because it's I. And even though the decision she was making was kind of weird and not something everybody agreed with, he supported it undeniably, like unquestionably, because it was I making the choice. I really did like her choice, though. Like, if this were any other anime, her choice to try to be an idol and a mom at the same time would have been this comedy slice of life anime. <laughs> you just fucking yeah. know it. <laughs> and I think like a lot of people watching the first episode when... They showed that they're just like, oh, this is going to be like a slice of life where she has to live a double life being an idol and being a mom. And this is going to be super cool. And then we got the end of the episode. We're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I guess well, this isn't that kind of anime. That's not that kind. That's not a plan anymore. Yeah. And then the, we have Ruby, who I don't think a lot of people like her character yet because I feel like right now she's just kind of that annoying little sister, oh my god, I'm going to be an idol someday character. I feel like she's playing, again, into that trope of the, it's my destiny to be the best idol ever, so I'm going to be the best idol even though I don't know how to sing and I don't know how to dance and I don't know how to do anything, but it's okay because I'm going to be an idol because I'm cute. Kind of character, you know, that really terrible idol trope. Yeah. Uh, I actually really love her character because she's very similar to Aqua in a lot of ways. She, the big difference is that she is less self-motivated. She feels like the world kind of owes her something because she had such a terrible past life and she really didn't get to live her life to its fullest. So now going forward, she's just like, now that I am healthy, I've got to do everything I can, but the world needs to give back to me as much as I'm putting in. And that's not how reality works. But similar to Aqua, she also really doesn't see I as a normal, like, regular person. But her idealized version of I is completely different. Like, when they talked about the idea that there has to be a father... Like, Ruby had no problems just imagining that there is no father. That this was just a miracle birth. That she just impregnated <laughs> herself with Jesus 2.0, baby! Yeah. <laughs> she, she didn't even question it. She's like, oh, clearly there's no father. Clearly. An idol can just get pregnant whenever they feel like it. They just... They, well, they I mean, reproduce you know, that's, asexually. That's, that's, just, that's just how the female body works. Yeah, it's just completely reproduced asexually. There is no father. Don't even worry about it. Don't even think about it. Because yeah. she cannot embrace the reality that there is anything impure with I. She also has this hard time, like, kind of denying the idea that she doesn't have this grand manifest destiny. Which is why she chooses to make her idol group just basically the idol equivalent of a cover band for her mom's old group. She's not learning new songs or learning new dance. She is literally just carrying on the legacy that I left behind because she feels like it's her destiny. It's her... I mean, it, it seems like they, they want to make new songs and stuff, but mm -hmm. they also were kind of in a rush to, you know, get, get their name out. So yeah. they had to take up old songs. But they didn't even choose their own name. They just chose the other idol group's name and put like a two on it basically. No, they they didn't even put a two on it. Like yeah. the old the old group was named B Komachi and they decided, oh yeah, we're gonna call it B Komachi. Yeah. You know, like like straight up just same name. You yeah. know, and they didn't even get you know, like like a cover band and call it like See Komachi or something, you know, like <laughs> yeah, like they 
she's obviously not trying to chase after her own goals or see the world in a light that's realistic. She's just trying to live out this fantasy that she's had ever since she was stuck in bed. And I think that a lot of people who are younger do feel that way. And so her character, right now, she's kind of that annoying trope. But she is very much the product that the industry is trying to create. Both as something that they could sell and something that they could sell to. She she is their target audience. And I yeah. think they wrote her character extremely well. So something we haven't mentioned, but is good to know for those of you who did not know, the creator of this series is the same mangaka who wrote Kaguya-sama Love is War. Alright. Yeah. And I feel like in the same that, way that, that... That kind of explains a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Aqua and... Uh, what's his name? Shiragane? Are fairly similar. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Shiragane is not like the creepy stalker that stabbed her. <laughs> I thought... I could see it. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I love this anime. Like, it's so freaking good and so amazing. And one thing I'm really grateful for is, weird as this is, I am so happy that we are finally getting an outlet to tell more people about 2.5D shows. <laughs> yeah, they did uh, mention that in the show, huh? They're yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You can. You, are you in a, a 2.5D? No, it's. They're doing a whole arc of it, aren't they're they? They're doing a whole arc. Season two yeah. is going to be the 2.5D arc. Okay. Yeah, and they actually kind of did bring up something that was kind of like made me giggle, where. Uh, because Aqua got cast in it and he found out that the two girls that are both interested in him are also both cast. And he was kind of a confused by it. He's like, this seems like a hetero relationship in this show. Don't 2.5D shows usually appeal to, like, boy love fans? And it's a, such a good fucking point, too. Because it is particularly unusual to see casts that have split male and female casts in 2.5D. Almost all major actors in the industry who do those kind of stage plays are typically male. And usually if a female does get cast, they're not super, super well known. Usually they come from another theater company, just like Akane does. She comes from more traditional stage plays and her name is so popular that she got recommended for this show. But if you look at like actual like actors who are considered like industry leaders of 2.5D they are all men even shows that do have female characters like very prominent female characters like Triple X Holic for example every single cast member of that show was a man including the big boobed witch woman who is like the main focus of Triple X Holic was in fact a man ah yes going back to the roots of theater yeah <laughs> particularly in japan because japan one of their most famous theater arts is uh kabuki which is all men in fact token rambu actually did do both tomu and a new token rambu show both did kabuki theater for their shows because they are very prominently male casts yeah even the first stage plays for haikyuu Whenever, like, there was a scene where they needed the manager in, like, the first couple shows, they literally had nobody cast for her. So whenever the manager had a scene, they literally just had the actors go stand next to a curtain, and the curtain would just move like there was somebody behind it, and they would just hear, like, a female voice talking. That was literally how they cast the only female character in Haikyuu, was with just a random voice behind a curtain. Yeah. And then whenever they needed, like, schoolgirls or whatever for that show, it would literally just be the main male actors wearing girls' school uniforms. And they would just go out, and it was obvious that it was them. Like, it wasn't even subtle. But they played that up for comedy. They're just like, oh, look, all the boys are wearing school girls' school uniforms. And it was super cute and funny. So, yeah, 2.5D is definitely an industry that appeals to boy love fans, but it's 
kind of starting to change a little bit. Like we are still, we are seeing more shows that reach out to female actors and do try to have more of a split cast. And it's, it's really trying to reach out to a larger audience. Yeah. But I've always kind of loved the fact that it's a predominantly like for fangirl kind of industry. Cause there's not a lot of those, honestly. <laughs> There's not a lot of things in Japan where you're just going to see, like, an entire crowd of women just gushing and screaming and freaking out. Like, you get that with, like, K-pop and you get that with, like, America, like, American bands and stuff like that. But you don't really get that a lot in Japan. You have waifu wars, which is targeted towards men. You have shonen that's targeted towards men. You have, like, almost everything in the anime industry is, like, targeted towards men. You have... You know, like, even Kabuki, for the longest time, like, Kabuki and Rakugo uh, were targeted that, towards men. That is obviously because uh, Japan understands that there are no women on the internet. <laughs> they don't exist. It's it's just, you know, so, so why would they provide uh, entertainment for something that doesn't exist? <laughs> it's low-key kind of true though i remember seeing an interview with the mangaka for one piece where he had female fans writing into him and being like hey we don't really like how you draw women like we don't like how you joke that women are just sticks with boobs and so in an interview when he was asked about it he was just like i don't think one piece actually even has female fans i think that women just really enjoy writing letters and so they just find (laughs) people to write letters to is is that man married? <laughs> the weird thing is, I don't even know if he was being honest or if he was joking. Fair. But uh, I think a lot of, like, One Piece fans are going to be like, oh, obviously that was sarcasm. But the thing is, sarcasm doesn't really exist in Japan. So. <laughs> and I love One Piece and I love Oda. He's a great writer, but he has done pretty problematic stuff in the past, which I won't get into in this episode, but yeah. he's not a saint. So I, I would not put it past him to genuinely believe he had no female fans. So, <laughs> But yeah, moving on, like it, it was really good to point out that what 2.5D currently is, because it is currently a market towards women. It, was Japan looking at all of these girls and women getting into anime and being like, that is a completely untapped market. We could be making so much money if we just found a way to market to them. And they tried with like Magical Girl, which did kind of like go away. Magical Girl now kind of feels more like a parody than an actual genre. Shoujo started to slowly disappear. And then they try to move on to, like, idol shows, which ironically drew in more male audiences than female audiences. I can't imagine why. And it was it, the thing It's where, a mystery. And so it was a thing where they were just kind of like, well, how do we talk to these women? And the secret was they were all reading Boy Love and watching Boy Love and going to doujin shops. And they were just like, well, just lean into that. And it, it worked. Even, like, male idol groups would constantly flirt with each other because they knew that got more merchandise sold. Like, if you can go and, like, touch your male, like, co-singer's cheek, you're gonna sell more, like, bromides of yourself. <laughs> and it's such a simple thing. Just be really confident in your masculinity and you will make money. 2.5D actors are just masters of the craft. They have, they can flirt with each other. They can cross dress. They constantly make jokes about each other. They constantly do like the teehee. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I did that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> oh my, <laughs> I can't, our, our shoulders touched back there. Did you see that? Oh my gosh. I think he likes me kind of thing. Like they are absolute masters of the craft. And that's why I said, like, when I look at some of my favorite actors, I know deep down that not everything they do is the real them, but now it kind of makes me wonder how much of it is real and how much of it is just this character that they've developed, that they're constantly having to put on a show for. And that's not just when they're in front of cameras or when they're on stage or when they're like talking to their fans. That's also when they're on social media. That's also whenever they like go out to like 
cafes or dinner together, they have to be in character. Like, there's so much that they constantly have to be pretending to do. And we saw that a little bit too with Akane and Aqua when they're pretending to be a couple. So they're really careful about making sure they're like, oh, let's get a cute couple selfie of us eating at this cafe. So that way we can just have all these photos set aside. So when our, you know, social media becomes a little bit dead, we could just post them and everybody be like, oh, look, they're so cute. That's so great. Oh my God. We just finished the show where we supposedly got together. Let's make believe. Yeah, even they even have like their breakup scheduled, you know? <laughs> like it's not <laughs> Let's see. Do you want to break up on the 11th? No, the 11th doesn't work for me. How about the 17th? Yeah. <laughs> so everything is completely fabricated and that's really just kind of how this industry works and it's very very rare that we see any of these celebrities actually kind of come out and be open because when they do, one it breaks that character and two it does put them at a bit of risk. And a good example of that was uh, one actor that I do follow named Mario. Uh, for the most part, he's really, really flirty and really fun. And he has a huge female fan base. And like ever, a lot of people know him in Japan. Like he's, he's been on TV. He's done movies. He's done stage plays. He's, he's a bit of an idol out there. And he did make a public announcement like for his marriage. He came out and he's like, I just married the woman that I've been with for years. We've been engaged for about two years now. Our wedding was last night. And he was very careful to not show her face or reveal her name or any public information about her. But he was very open, like, this is something that makes me very happy. And I want my fans to be happy for me, too. And it's a really big deal. And for the most part, his fans were extremely happy. I think if there was anything negative, his like publishers or social media people were really quick to delete it or cause like damage control. But I remember the first thing like one of my friends said when she saw the post is she's like, I hope nothing bad happens to him or his family. Because that's genuinely scary. It's a genuine thought that you have when you see one of these celebrities come out and be open and be a real person with their fans. Yeah. It's just... Well, I mean... There's, there is a reason that, like, uh, in, like, the idol industry over in Japan, a lot of them aren't allowed to date. Mm -hmm. Like, one, you know, they're, they're trying to, you know, take care of their, their idols, you know, mm -hmm. because they don't want their idols to get hurt. But also because, like, like you said, you know, they, they don't want family, you know, friends to get targeted. And, and also, you know, the, the idea of the idol being still single and available is, you know, it's... It's a big part of the appeal. Yeah. Yeah. And this show goes into that very, very deeply, particularly with the character I. Because the entire first episode very much talks about that, where when it's revealed she's pregnant, she doesn't go to a hospital in Tokyo, because that's too risky. She has to go all the way out to this, like, middle-of-nowhere hospital that has, like, maybe five people in the entire fucking hospital. And they're sure that no none of the doctors there know who she is. And when it's revealed that the main character does know who she is, she's kind of like, Oh, I guess we kind of screwed up a little bit. Nobody was supposed to know who I was out here. And the big reason is because she was very visibly pregnant. And they needed to avoid anybody finding out that... A, she's about to have a baby, and B, that means that she has had sex with somebody. <laughs> yeah. That there is very clearly a father. Oh, scandalous. I bet she held hands in everything. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold hands, children. Don't hold hands and kiss at the same time. But uh, <laughs> No glove, no love. Yep. So yeah, and the very first thing her manager basically suggests, too, is... Can we get rid of it? Like, can we just hide this? Like, we could say she's sick for a couple months and make the whole thing go away. And he tells her, like, if you're not willing to do that, you need to quit being an idol because you cannot be a mother and an idol at the same time. That will completely destroy the image that you've built. She's like, fuck you, I'm going to anyways! Yeah, and she decides that she wanted one thing in her life that wasn't a lie, but she still wanted to continue her career. And we find out that, yeah, there were definitely 
people out there that knew she was pregnant and knew that she had kids and pieced a lot of that shit together because as you mentioned there's people that will just dig through your fucking garbage to find out shit about your personal life and that's exactly what happened to her except she had a little bit of an inside help or the person that killed her did so but I think probably the most tragic part of Ai's story was that she was ready to kind of come out and reveal her children she knew that she kind of reached the top she's like once I perform at Tokyo Dome that's like the height of my career that's everything I wanted out of this job everything else that follows is just extra so at this point I don't care about my image I would rather people know that I have children and she was going to be honest she was going to be honest for like the first time in her entire career about who she was and who she wanted to be and that was the day she got stabbed to death and it's also the very first time she was able to genuinely look at somebody and say I love you which makes the whole thing more painful that the first person she said I love you to was Aqua and as I pointed out I genuinely don't think Aqua sees her as a real person and it just makes that all the more heartbreaking that she wasn't she didn't even get to say I love you to her real child she got to say I love you to a full grown man posing as her child and that's kind of fucked up a full grown man child yep (laughs) that's basically what he is too and the show just makes you kind of want to go back and rewatch things once you learn it. And once you kind of think, like, you'll you'll get that thought about it, like, mid-episode. You'll be like, oh, shit, I need to go back and watch that episode again. Because I just kind of piece two things together. And I love this show so much. It's so damn good. I, I really just want to go back and rewatch all of it. And I am going to resist reading the manga. Because I genuinely do not want to get ahead of myself in this series yeah no i i feel that because i've just been sitting here like man i should really watch all these other shows that are coming out this yeah <laughs> exactly but, but i could go back I and rewatch just all of and, golden kamui <laughs> i could just go and rewatch bochi the rock yeah <laughs> so yeah i think that's basically the Oh, I did want to talk about one thing, too, that I kind of pieced together. This is this is going to full speculation mode on my part, so that's why I wanted to kind of save this for the end of talking about this anime. But I kind of suspect that the whole reason why the character's name is I, one, it's obviously a play on the fact that the word I means love in Japanese. But I refuse to believe that it's a coincidence that her name is also AI for artificial intelligence because the more you look at her character the more that the show continues on and moves forward and the more we see it promoted and sold and the further we see Aqua just start to lose himself more and more the more artificial I becomes we see her as a real person at the beginning of the show when she's pregnant she's like I want to have my children and I want to live a full life and have a happy family But by the end of even the first season, I just feels like this fake person that never actually existed in this world. Like, I mean, I know literally she's a fake person, but I mean, like in the (laughs) in the world of the anime that we're watching, she it kind of feels more and more like this whole thing is just a giant conspiracy, and that she was actually a VTuber the entire time. Oh my goodness. She's everything about her is so artificial. Even the way that they handled like the opening song with her, like she doesn't feel like she was a real person in Aqua or Ruby's life. Yeah. So I I do believe that she is supposed to be this AI person. But again, that's more speculation than it could be some deep symbolism, but that's that's just me reading into things too deeply, like I usually yeah, probably. do. So <laughs> <laughs> But with that, uh, that's my thoughts about Oshinoko. Do you have any final thoughts before we move on to what we've been watching last season? Ah, uh, it's good. It's good. Go watch it's it. It's good. It's Come it's worth it. it's worth the high dive subscription. I would say. Yeah, it's worth mooching your friend's high dive subscription. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope that more good shows come out to High Dive so I could justify the year subscription that I paid for. Yeah. 
I am gonna go back and watch Made in Abyss as well, so that that'll probably I know cover uh, the the charge. <laughs> there's there's a few things I need to watch on there. You need to go but... back and watch Don Machi. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you were like the biggest Don Machi fanboy, and but now you're so far show. behind. No. Well, <laughs> I don't know. The there was I think it was the second season. I don't know. It just didn't live up to it. And I guess maybe that's just me being a fucking light novel reader. Like fucking a light novel reader. Fucking nerd. I, right. Fucking weeb. <laughs> God. God, what's wrong with me? Right. So let's talk about other shows that we watched last season. Because like I said, I don't think we'll ever get another chance to talk about it. So yeah. I got caught up on Golden Kamui. So Golden Kamui's back. Makes me so I... happy. Kept forgetting that Golden Kamui existed. <laughs> I am not caught up on that one. <laughs> this season is so damn good. Oh my god, there is there was genuinely a scene in one of the episodes where I had to like pause it and take a step back and be like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? <laughs> like why am I watching this? This is absolute fucking garbage. And then I hit play and watch the rest of the episode, and I have zero regrets. It's such a f- good fucking show, you guys. Like, yeah, it, it is. It, it's great. I I do need to go and start watching, like, catch up on it. But I just it's the one show that I genuinely cannot explain in context or out of context because it's just that absurd. it makes JoJo's Bizarre Adventure look like James' average stroll at the park. All right, like. <laughs> Yeah, Golden Conway's fantastic. Uh, we always gush about that, so I won't dive too deep into it. But another show that I watched, which is probably the only show other than uh, Oshinoko that I feel like was a must-watch last season. And it's totally not the kind of show that I usually get into, but I just could not help. This is a little bit of a treat for me this season. Was uh, Skip and Loafer. Yeah, that was one that I wanted to check out as well. It was so good! It was so good! It is your stereotype, like, cute, anxious, nerdy girl falls for the golden retriever guy, and that was, like, I think that's everybody's first reaction when they meet the guy. They're just like, oh my god, he's like a golden retriever. He's he's the epitome of the golden retriever boyfriend. And then the main character even stops and looks at him. She's like, oh my god, he reminds me exactly of my family's golden retriever. Like, she literally compares him to her family's <laughs> golden retriever. Look, is... it, it beats that other show. I can't remember if it aired last season or the season before, where it was like, oh yeah, I've been reincarnated as my crush's dog. Oh, gross. Like, like yeah, that one was... I didn't watch it because the premise just sounded weird and creepy. Yeah. No, this is like, whenever you see like people on Twitter or Instagram or whatever talk about like, this is the golden retriever boyfriend stereotype. That That's this character. And like the main girl is this girl that like comes from like the country bumpkin type and she moves to Tokyo because her goal is to become like this really big politician in Japan. Like she wants to be a member of the diet and just like really make a big difference and make everything like make everybody in Japan just super happy with her like policies and everything and just make it really far up the chain. And so she's like my first goal is to get into like a really good Tokyo college or high school so that way it could like prep school me to get into a good college. And everything in her life is basically calculated out. And then her very first day of school, she gets lost on the Shibuya train line. And completely misses the entire opening ceremony at her school. And she was supposed to give a big speech. And she's upset because she doesn't. She has no idea which train line to get onto. And she's panicking. She's freaking out. And the golden retriever boyfriend comes along. And he's just like, oh, hey, I, I woke up late. Are You go to the same school as me. We have the same uniform. You want to go together? And she's like panicking. And she's like, I miss, I'm missing the opening ceremonies. I'm missing everything. I'm late. I've never been late in my life. And he's just like, it's just an opening ceremony. It's like, nobody gives a shit. Like, yeah. And then like as they get off the train and they're like just a few blocks away, she just takes off her shoes and just starts fucking running. And it's the first time he's ever seen anybody like, really want to go to school as he just immediately is like drawn to her just like 
This girl's so crazy and wild, like she has so much passion and she cares about things and I've never given a shit about anything in my life. I want to be like her. You know, and the two of them become best friends and everybody in the class like hates her because she's like friends with the most attractive guy at school or whatever. But it's just such a cute, wholesome slice of life anime about two people that are just trying to exist in the world that just find each other so appealing for some reason. And I yeah. love it so much. And normally I don't like slice of life, so maybe I am becoming a slice of life connoisseur. But 10 out of 10 recommend this one. Uh, you and I already have a yes. deal that you'll binge this one and I'll binge Bochi the Rock. Fucking do it. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's the deal we've made. <laughs> yes, it is. So, and the only other anime I really watched last season was uh, Hell's Paradise. Mm-hmm. And this one is continuing on to this season, I believe. It is okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I think this one <laughs> had a lot fair. of hype. Yeah, this one had a lot of hype because it's Studio Mappa and its source material is like really dark and really gritty. Like it's it's kind of in the realm of like Jujutsu Kaisen or Chainsaw Man with its like deep dark storytelling kind of vibes. And it obviously is a shonen, and it felt like right up my alley because it's like samurai and ninjas and stuff on some fantasy island that's just literal like limbo. And everything about it seemed really, really cool, and it's a really cool premise and a really cool story. I think that Mappa kind of dropped the ball on it a little bit, though, because something about it feels censored, and I can't quite explain it. Like, just. I've never read the manga, and I didn't really look up anything about the source material too much. I went into this anime completely blind, but it feels like they've taken a lot of the content out and played it a little bit safe. You know, like, MAPPA made this big deal about not censoring Chainsaw Man. This one feels and, like and, they're compromised. And, and then they doubled down on the censorship on this one. Yeah, like, it feels like they're trying really hard to make it not censored, but then the studio is just kind of like, no, you can't show nipples, you can't show this much gore, you can't show dismemberment, you can't show any of that, you, so you gotta cover it up somehow, or you gotta hide it. And it just, it feels a little too safe for the story that they're trying to tell. Yeah. So I don't think it's a bad anime, I think that it has all of the elements of being something really good, but I would almost just say go read the manga instead because it just doesn't quite hit right. So, yeah. That's that's my opinion. The music's great. And the acting's great. So, yeah. And like I said, it's Makes a good sense. story. But I don't see any reason to watch the anime over reading the manga on this one. That's coming from somebody who has not read the manga. So. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's what I was watching this season. I'll let All you right. go now. Uh, I basically watched wholesome bullshit <laughs> and you didn't watch skip and loafer I, I yeah i had i guess that was one i wanted to i just i just didn't uh so like i watched um what's it called my love story with the yamada kun at level 999 yeah that was what you said i would like it's it's kind of cute i think you might like it uh, it's it's about this girl who, you know, gets into gaming because, you know, of her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And then her boyfriend dumps her and and she ends up going to a like a local event for for the MMO she's playing. Mm -hmm. And she meets up with this this local celebrity and and she's you know, that also plays the game and he's in the same guild as her. And she's like, here, just pretend to be my boyfriend because my ex is here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he's just like, no, why would I do that? And she's like, I have this super rare item ticket. Like, I'll, I'll give it to you. Just be my boyfriend for like 10 minutes. <laughs> so, and it just kind of goes on from there. It's just, it's stupid and it's cute. Yeah. Um, and then I watched... Oh, one thing I forgot to mention about Skip and Loafer, that if any of you guys didn't watch it and you were, like, on the fence about it, something I really liked is that the girl's aunt, who she's living with since her aunt lived in Tokyo, and she had to move to Tokyo for her school, her aunt is actually canonically transgender, 
and it's actually a big part of like this like B plot of the show is that her aunt constantly gets like glares and stuff on the train because like you can still see like her Adam's apple and everything yeah but she's just living her best damn life and I love her she's such a good representation she's so fantastic yeah um and then I watched uh oh Koopa Won't Let Me Be Invisible which is just this kind of cute little show about this boy who for some reason isn't noticed very easily except mm-hmm. by one girl and and so like she kind of dares him to do like silly things like stand up on his desk in the middle of class to see if the teacher will notice you know like just just stupid little things it's it's cute it's wholesome um, oh so it's an anime about an introvert and his designated extrovert yeah basically <laughs> Uh, and then another anime about an introvert and their designated extrovert was my clueless first friend that I watched. I, I think I heard about that one. It's it's cute, you know. This this girl, she's kind of bullied at school, you know. Everyone, all of her classmates, call her like Shinigami, you know. And then, you know, the the clueless first friend is like, oh my gosh, that's such a cool nickname. I'm gonna. <laughs> Hang out with you. You're my best friend now. God, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that one was just kind of like cute and wholesome. Uh, and then I last one I watched was Otaku Elf, uh, which is kind of a reverse isekai, where this elf was summoned into this world mm-hmm. um, during the. Um, which era, whatever, like, like she had met uh, Tokugawa and, like, historical figures and whatnot. Yeah. And and she's basically kind of considered the god of, of, the, of the shrine she's over. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of just become a shut-in. Like, she doesn't go outside anymore. Yeah. So she has her shrine maiden basically take care of everything for her. And it's just... <laughs> It's just cute. It's wholesome. Like I yeah. said, that's all I've been watching this season. I like that I watched a lot of wholesome anime wholesome. with, like, blood and guts and shit. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, look at this cute slice of life. <laughs> yeah, that's, usually how it, that's usually how it is. We, go, we cover all of our bases here. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> this is you. Do you want dismemberment? Do you want somebody to stick a flag, pull up somebody's ass, and lift them up as a, like, victory banner? Candace will watch that shit. (laughs) (laughs) You know how I watch two elves fall in love and just talk about how they're going to raise their baby slime together? Tyler will watch that. Oh my god. (laughs) That sounds like a great anime. Actually, low-key does. (laughs) (laughs) I got reincarnated as an elf in another life and now I'm going to raise an adopted slime with my elf wife. Oh boy. Yes. <laughs> also, <laughs> I low key kind of want to see a plus sized elf get made into an anime. Yeah. <laughs> Just because it's a, a stupid little concept of like, oh, this, this elf is kind of chonky. <laughs> In a world of isekai comes the most unusual thing you'll ever see. Oops. Elf that wears a size twelve dress. <laughs> In Japan, that's plus size. An elf with D cups. <laughs> oh my god! Well, that's not uncommon. Okay, that's not see. uncommon. In yeah, anime. but but in Japan, it's like, oh my god, she wears a size six. Oh my god, is she? Is, is she? Is she could die tomorrow. Oh, do you yeah, have diabetes? Heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So fucking yeah. mental. It's not as bad as Korea. I saw this video of, like, this girl going to Korea, and she's, like, looking for clothing shops, and she's tiny, like, she's tiny, tiny, but they send her to, like, the fat girl shops. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) And all the shops are named, like, Fatty Fat Cat and Fat Girls Club and shit like that. It's fucking horrible. (laughs) Then she's just, like crying like Bobby on King of the Hill when he realizes that they're shopping at (laughs) at Fat Kid store. (laughs) And I'm just here to say all you guys are beautiful. Like, genuinely, I 
that's the one thing I hate about Eastern culture is the size strictness. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad to hear there are like isekai where they're just like, look how chubby and cute this character is. Like, because chubby is cute. So yeah, I do hope that gets an anime. We got way derailed there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> we we did. It's all what, good. What else? End of the know? episode. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, be potty positive. And yeah, I think we're going to go ahead and end the episode there before we say something that people will take out of context. Oh, like people we, are always going to take everything we're out of context. A whole last segment people are going to take out of context. <laughs> <laughs> So we want to thank you guys for listening and yeah. We'll Thanks we'll guys. Try, we'll try to be back next week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.